Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Burgess Hill. This message is by Kevin Vanderput. Good morning. Today is a great day. God is good. We are here, sun shining. It's the weekend. England's making his debut into the Euros. Big day. We're having a barbecue. <laughs> Big day. I'm telling you. Everything is aligned for a great day. I mean, Belgium made its debut into the Euros yesterday. And we won. So a great, great day for me yesterday as well. Very happy. See, the great thing about Belgium, it's a very small country compared to other countries. And so nothing much happens. So we get very excited about very little things, you see. And um, yesterday on Instagram, my cousin was making this story after the game. So it's the first game. We haven't won anything yet. It's the first game. We won 3-0. It wasn't the greatest game in the world either. But she was driving in the streets um, of Brussels after the game. And it was chaos. People honking everywhere. She couldn't drive. Cars stopped in the middle of the road. Flags everywhere. Beers everywhere. And it's like... What, what are you doing? We haven't done anything. <laughs> Welcome to Belgium. I love my country. I'm sorry. There's no place. Like, I, I mean, it was quiet. You, you'd expect it to be quiet. We haven't done anything yet. But no, everybody was so excited. We've won one game. It's great. Anyways, sorry for that. But um, if I had the video, I would share it with you. It was uh, fantastic. Um, yeah, we put flags everywhere. You guys don't put flags on houses, on windows and things. In Belgium, well, there's a lot of, in Brussels, there's a lot of, you know, different flags waved about, so, because people come from everywhere. But, um, yeah, it's something we do. We just, you see Belgian flags everywhere. Anyways, enough of Belgium. Um, I'm sorry, but it was very funny to watch that video. So, when I last spoke to you guys, um, which was a few weeks ago, I mentioned this one sentence, and you might not remember the sentence right now, but I said, let us not be Christians that simply go to heaven or make it to heaven, but let us be part of the ones that bring heaven down to earth. And we were speaking about the Holy Spirit then um, and how the Spirit enables us to live in that way, and that there's more than just going to heaven. There's more to it than that, that we are called to bring heaven down to earth. And I'd love for us to today explore that idea a little bit more, to deep, uh, uh, dig a bit deeper into that and when we start looking through the Bible, and we can see quite fast that there's a role that is always linked with being this gateway between heaven and earth, with being the connection point to heaven, and that is the role of priests. So I've entitled today, Gateways Between Heaven and Earth. He will come there. I have a little a cool animation that I made. Look at this. <laughs> so cool. Uh, I'm having fun during my week, as you can see. Anyways, uh, we are called to be gateways to heaven, gateways between heaven and earth. And the role that often is linked to that in the Bible is the role of priests. So we're going to look more into what it means to be a priest. Um, first, we're going to stop in the Old Testament, look at what it is like in the New Testament, and then look at what it means for us today. Right, so in the Old Testament, we see that priests uh, are the ones that go into the Holy of Holies, the innermost part of the temple. And there they would meet with God and represent 
people to him. And then they would come out of God's presence and proclaim God's blessings upon people, upon the Israelites, right? And so that's kind of the basic idea we have of a priest when we first think about priests. But actually, the origin the original role or definition or what it should have looked like, it, it, it didn't start that way. If we go back to the very beginning, we go back to Genesis and we meet Adam and Eve, everything is always going back to Genesis. Um, and it's important because it's important to understand this meta-narrative of the Bible, the whole picture. And so we meet Adam and Eve and they created, it says, to work and keep the garden, to work it and keep it. And those two words, actually, they speak of that priestly role that Adam and Eve had. They were God's representative on earth. They had this connection to the Lord. They were to work the garden and work. I've mentioned this a lot um, recently. If you've done, if you're doing our small group as well, we've talked about it. That word work is the word avoda, this Hebrew word that actually means work and worship as well. This seamless life that God invades everything there, right? And the second word is the word keep, which is shamar, which actually we can um, see it's used when referred to like priestly service of worship or the rules uh, regarding the priests, yeah, the priestly rules and all their duties, etc. So through these two words, we can see clearly that Adam and Eve had this priestly call on their lives. They were there to worship and work for the Lord to be this connection point between heaven and and earth to represent God to the people and be in his presence. But of course, they kindly deny this whole calling because the fall happens. Hey, yeah. um, and humanity then kind of denies that. And later on in the Bible, in the Old Testament, we're introduced to this guy, Aaron, great guy. And we're introduced to him a bit in a funny way because he's Moses' brother, right? And um, it says, and Aaron, Moses' brother, who was a Levite. Now, obviously, Moses would have known that his brother was a Levite because he's his brother. You kind of know stuff about your brother. So it's really put there for us to know, hey, this guy, he's from the tribe of Levites, which means he's a priest. He's from the tribe of priests. Levites were the ones who were fulfilling that role. So it's kindly put there in big letters for us to know, that guy, he's a priest. And so just to give you a bit of what Aaron's life looked like as a priest, let's read from Leviticus 9, verse 16 to 24. It's going to come up on the screen. If you get it in your Bible, you can get it in your Bible. I'm going to read it through. Uh, it says, He brought the burnt offering and offered it in the prescribed way. Talking about Aaron, our main guy here. He also brought the grain offering, took a handful of it, and burnt it on the altar in addition to the morning's burnt offering. Then Aaron lifted his hands towards the people and blessed them. And having sacrificed the sin offering, the burnt offering, and the fellowship offering, so many offerings, he stepped down. Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting. When they came out, they blessed the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all. Fire came out from the presence of God and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat portions on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted for joy and fell face down to the Lord. What is happening here? A lot is happening. Um, but we can see that Aaron, he's fulfilling. That's what his priestly role looked like. He's fulfilling his priestly role for the Israelites. He's representing them to the Lord. So he's first going 
and offering this, this, um, all the offerings to the Lord to representing the people to the Lord, bridge, bridging the gap between heaven and earth. Then he offers those sacrifices, as we see, on behalf of people so they could be cleansed. And um, then he comes out of the tent speaking God's blessings onto people. So that's kind of the three steps that we find. He's God's conduit. He's the gateway between heaven and earth for the Israelites, the way that they could encounter their God and have that connection to their God. To give you an image, if you guys can come up here, um, COVID rules and all that, I'll use the same household as I am in. Um, so to give you an image, it's a bit like if, um, yeah, so Prissy stands there and she represents herself. Let's say she's an Israelite, yeah? You're an Israelite. Hey, yeah. Uh, great. Um, and Sharon here represents God. God, I didn't know you were that good looking. Great. Um, and then I'm Aaron, right? I'm Aaron. I'm in the middle. You guys need to come closer for this because I don't have that long of arms. But, um, and, and, and so if I'm Aaron, I'm like this gateway. So if I, I'm the link, I can't touch you guys, but you kind of get the picture. If the, the, they're the Israelites, there is God. The cross, right? I'm in the shape of a... Hey, powerful image, Kevin. Thank you very much. I re it, it reminds you of the cross. It's this gateway between the people and God. He's making that bridge, that gap between the two. See, there was a problem with the priests in the Old Testament. They failed to fulfill their role perfectly. They were fully human like us and at some point they would sin they would fail Aaron even has some bad light shed on him at points because of his action but more than that God didn't want to just have be into the presence of one man or one person but he wanted to be in the presence of his people so something needed to happen and something needed to change and so we come to Jesus and we see that the Old Testament we just read priest offered all those sacrifices and Jesus he became the perfect sacrifice again this image of the cross he became the perfect sacrifice through the cross but throughout his life as well we can see that he took on that priestly role in different ways in Hebrews 7 is going to come up on the screen as well he's described as our high priest and it says in verse 24 I'll read it through it's such a powerful passage of scripture there's so much truth in there so let's Listen attentively. It says, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, our needs, each and every one of our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. And like the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because even Aaron had to offer sacrifice for himself first so he could be cleansed and then offer sacrifices on behalf of the rest of the people. So he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once and for all as he offered himself. For the law appoints a high priest, man in all their weakness, but the earth which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. 
Now, Jesus is that high priest. He fulfills that role perfectly. And because he now lives forever, and as it says, he still intercedes on our behalf, we are now able to live as a kingdom of priests on earth. Yeah, because that calling of priesthood didn't just stop with Jesus. It's passed down onto us. And we can find that calling to us in a well-known verse in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, you will all know it, but it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Now, this verse is often used as a feel-good verse, right? If someone's a bit down or whatever, hey, you special. You got special possession and all of that. But actually, there's a lot of weight to this call of being a royal priesthood. So it's actually quite a, a heavy verse in that sense. It carries a lot of, of weight because we need to now carry on this role of priest that Jesus was carrying and all the ones before him. And so what does that mean? When we look through the Old Testament, as well as through the life of Jesus, we can notice different elements that we can pick out of and apply to our own lives today. So we can live a life that honors God and fulfill the calling of priesthoods that we've been given. So first important point that we can pick out of all that we have uh, talked about is we have been made temples because of the perfect sacrifice. First point. So there's one big difference that Jesus' sacrifice brought, and it's this big yay for us, is we no longer have to make sacrifices in our priestly role. We no longer have to make sacrifices for cleansing, etc., which is really good because later on in Leviticus, that passage we read earlier, uh, it literally says that Aaron waved chicken legs to the Lord as You know, so it's actually quite funny. It wasn't chicken. It was an ox. But, you know, how thankful are we that we don't have to wave, you know, legs to God so that we are cleansed. Thank you, Jesus. So for such a long time, sacrifices were offered in the temple by the priests. And again, that problem, the problem was it, was it was endless. It was never enough. So Jesus, when he came as the perfect sacrifice, he brought a solution to all that because God being perfect and holy could not stand in the presence of anything unholy not perfect not cleansed which was us and something happens when Jesus offers himself as a sacrifice on the cross in Matthew 27 it says when Jesus had cried out so he's on the cross at that point and it's this dramatic moment and it says Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice and gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, the dead rose to life, etc., etc. Through his crucifixion, Jesus accomplished what the temple actually never could. See, the curtain there that's broken from top to bottom actually a lot of people say that it was from top to bottom it was like a it was to say hey it was God because if it was from bottom to top it could have been a a human tearing it you know Um, but the important thing here is that is what that curtain represented it represented the way into God's presence that curtain being torn is actually an invitation for all of us into God's presence, a way for God not only to dwell 
with some of his people, but in his people. For not only priests to come in at dedicated times into God's presence, but an invitation for everyone to come right into his presence freely, daily. And later on, we see Paul declaring that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It says in his letters to Corinthians, Do you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? You have received that from God. You are not your own. And here, obviously, English is weird sometimes. You is just you. There's no plural you. But actually here, it is really the plural. He's not talking to a singular person. It is you all, or as our American friends will go, y'all. Y'all are the temple. So you are all little temples wherever you go in, carrying God's presence, representing him to the world around you. How cool is this? So in his action as the perfect sacrifice, Jesus enables us to start our priestly role to carry on that priesthood, to be carriers of God's presence. Day and night, night and day, God lives in us and wants to have an expression through our lives. Second point. Can you give me a two? Anyone can give? No? Okay. As priests, we live a life of service to people. Now, it might seem obvious when you read through, again, the scripture, but when we look at the life of Jesus or the one of Aaron or any other priest, we can see that they lived to serve others. Their lives was like an offering to God. They served in the temple. They were making sure it was clean. They, were, they served the people by offering sacrifices for them. They served God by speaking on his behalf to the people. And when we look at the life of Jesus, we can see how much he took on a similar role. He came to serve and there's this famous moment where the disciples are arguing between them and Jesus reminds them of what's important. And it says in Luke 22, a dispute arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of Gentiles lorded over them and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who's at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. You are, you are those who have stood by me by my in my trials and I conferred to you a kingdom just as my father conferred one to me so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus confers that kingdom onto us and calls us to a life of service within that kingdom. You know, there's another passage in the Bible that says that our lives are not our own any longer, right? They are to be lived as an offering to God, an offering of service. A life of service actually takes on many shapes because you might think, well, how, what, where, service, but it's expressed in many ways through your family, you know, by raising your children or loving your parents or serving them by loving them through your work as you serve your boss and carry yourself in a certain way at work where God has placed you. It's simply by being available to be a blessing with your life. So we live a life as priests of service to God and to others. Third point. Anyone give me a three? Do you do three like this or do you do three like this? 
there's a majority of you three like this. Europeans, you lose. As priests, we stand in the gap for others, interceding for them. And again, we see that with the priests all throughout the Bible. They are standing in the gap for people. And Jesus standing in the gap still today for us because he's still interceding on our behalf because his priesthood is eternal. Can you imagine that right now? Do you ever think about that? Right now, Jesus is interceding on our behalf, praying on our behalf. How cool is that? And again, as a priesthood today, the same calling is passed on to us. And we often say, or at least I often say in prayer meetings, when we're praying for those that don't know God, I'll go something like, we're going to stand in the gap for others, etc. And it's actually what we are doing. Remember that picture of Aaron. It's, it's we are becoming Aaron in that moment, linking those who don't know God to God. We are standing in the gap for our families, our friends, etc. We're fulfilling part of that priestly role that has been given to us. We intercede for their lives, for a breakthrough in their lives. And each of us are called to do that, not just me or the leaders or whatever other picture you have in your head, but God wants you to fulfill that role of, role of priest in his kingdom. And there's a story of two old ladies that just blows me away every time I read it. And they, feel, they fulfill that part of that priestly role where they intercede for others. And I think I've shared it with some of you at least before, but I'll share it again because it's that good. Um, so we meet those two ladies. One's named Peggy, she's 84, and one's named Christine, and she's 82. And, and at their age, they were not able to leave home anymore. Uh, Peggy, turns out, was blind, and Christine could not stand up properly due to arthritis. And the two sisters were burdened by the fact that not a single young people was attending their local church. So obviously they couldn't attend church either because of their physical state, but they were in contact with their church and with their local minister. And so they chose to make their small cottage a place of prayer for a move of God. And they were reading the word, the Bible, and as they were reading, they were gripped by this specific verse in Isaiah 44, and it says, I will pour out water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. And so the ladies decided to pray these, this verse through and just intercede from 10 in the evening to 3 or 4 in the morning. And late one night, one night, Peggy has this vision of the church being filled with young people. And so she calls her local minister and says, you need to do something about it. You need to do something about this. And so the minister then agrees with them that they would pray at the same time that the two sisters are praying. So they were, they were praying in a barn with the intercessors and the sister were praying in their cottage. And one night in the barn, as they are all praying and they're praying through that verse again, pour out your water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. Revival breaks out. Now, what did that look like in the barn? People simply fell on their faces and began repenting of their sins and just were crying out to God. And suddenly the power of God sweeps across the island for weeks on end. And there's a famous guy, Duncan Campbell, that came to preach there for two weeks, ended up staying two years. And everything changes on that island, the culture, everything. But remember that picture of the youth filling the church and so one evening as people are gathered in the church the power of God was evident again 
And there were about a hundred people or so at a dance somewhere. And suddenly they all feel this need. They all feel this something drawing them to the church. So they all leave this dance and come knocking on the doors of the church, come into the meeting. They all repent, get right with God, give their lives to God. So vision fulfilled. The meeting lasts until four in the morning. Lives are transformed. What a story. And it all started with a humble and simple thing. Two ladies standing in the gap for a generation that did not know God. For people they didn't even know, they, they, they had no contact with. They were interceding on their behalf and the youth came. What a cool story. I love it. So that is part of our priestly role as well. Those two ladies were like Aaron, calling the youth unto God, calling people from death to life. Our fourth point, our fourth thing that we can learn from the lives of priests and how we can live our priesthood today is that as, as priests, we live set apart. Similar to us living a life of service, we see that the lives of priests in the Bible was motivated not by their own desires, but living for the same thing, uh, not living for the same thing as the world, but living to please God. They live by different standards than the rest of the world. They live their life as this offering. And 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Priests live this image of a holy life. Jesus lived a perfect life while he was on earth. A life that was clearly marked by God. And we are called to live this life that's clearly marked by God so that all can see this difference. As we represent God to other people, they can clearly see that our lives are marked by purity, by holiness, that we are living differently than the world does. And that gets them to question, hey, why? Why do you live your life by different standards? And finally, our fifth thing that we're learning from the priests today is that as priests, and this is probably the most simple and beautiful one, we get to spend time with God. We can come boldly and confidently into God's presence, perhaps the greatest privilege of all. The priests in the Old Testament had this huge privilege. They were the only ones that could come like that into God's presence presence and because of what Jesus has done today we all have that privilege in Hebrews 4 it says let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace in our time of need so we invited to come boldly into God's presence every day to simply be with him God's desire has always been to walk in harmony with his creation, spending time with them without any restriction. And we, we can see that in the Garden of Eden. God was walking among Adam and Eve. That's what we mentioned at the beginning. That was the original picture. And today, yes, we have direct access to his presence. We can hear his voice listen to him for guidance, for help. We have this opportunity to build a beautiful relationship with God. And these five characteristics of the life of priests invite us to model our life like that and fulfill this role as king, a kingdom of priests. 
But you know what's amazing? You remember how the picture started in the garden with Adam and Eve. And it was this perfect plan being at work where God was walking into the presence of Adam and Eve. In the last chapters of the Bible in Revelation 21 and 22, we actually see the fulfillment of God's desire once again. What's been outworked since the fall has, is finally coming to a close. It's like a full circle thing. And so we read in Revelation 21, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be them and be there, will be with them, sorry, and be their God. And later on in that same chapter, Revelation 21, verse 22, it says, I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are his temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb its lamp. Now notice how the first sentence of that second bit, there is no temple in the city. Now, it would be huge for Israelites because they're longing for the rebuilding of the temple. They, they have this picture of this is what needs to happen. But why would there be? Right? Why would there be this temple? Jesus is right there with his people. God is right there walking in the presence of his people that are worshiping him. And so the end of the story shows us that what was lost in the beginning is completely restored. God himself dwelling among his people. How cool is that picture? And so we will be able to see that one day. And I think that's amazing. And today we still are so close to that because, again, we have this direct connection to God. Now, hopefully through all of this, we are able to see that being called out as a royal priesthood, as priests, we see the importance of that, that once we've accepted Christ, it changes the way we live our lives. And I think over the last few weeks, all of our messages, in one way or another, have hinted towards one thing, that God wants our lives to look different, that the life of a priest is a life lived differently, not moments lived differently. The moment you go to church or the moment you're in small group or uh, maybe good friendships or helpline to heaven. But in this new season we are marching in, God wants to show us that he wants to consume the whole of our lives. Every moment in fresh ways, he wants to invade every part of who we are. Every moment that we breathe, our Christianity should be lived as gateways to heaven. That wherever we are, whatever we say, heaven invades earth. And Jane was speaking just last week and she, she mentioned in, in, in that moment that the goodness of God, the glory would burst out, that God wanted to saturate every moment of our lives because if we are overwhelmed with God, 
we won't be overwhelmed with anything else. How good was that revelation? So simple, but so deep at the same time. We want to be overwhelmed with God. And so it changes our lives. We realize we are, we are meant to live set apart that we are to intercede for others, that we are to carry ourselves as little temples and we are to spend time in his presence. You see, God will never force himself upon anyone though. So for right now, I just we, we, it, it's going to be quiet for a while, but that's okay. I want us to take some time to actually pray that through and just between you and God, actually tell him, hey, Offer yourself afresh to God. God, I'm here and I want you to take over every part of my life. Let, let him show you maybe where, where there are things where you, you, you maybe put him in a box or you don't let him burst out every minute of your day. And I know it is hard to let that happen or to see what that would look like. But I believe that God wants us to um, take a step towards that. He wants to show us what that would look like for our relationships, for our work, for just every day of our lives. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.